Praise the Lord and welcome to St. Paul Baptist Church, where we are convincing the unconvinced to be convinced and make disciples as we connect, lift, and inspire you. I'm Reverend Kelly Baptist, and we are so excited to have you connect with us in our power-packed TNT study experience. You can engage with our DigiMinitors via the chat space in each of our online worship platforms. Let's study and grow together as our pastor, Dr. Robert Scott, takes us deeper into the Word. And be sure to stay tuned after study for more information about what's happening with St. Paul. difference. We need you to go and to make this a working reality. So listen to me again. Please, ma'am, please, sir, wherever you are right now, understand that today from October the 15th to October the 31st is early voting. This Sunday is a uh, rally at Roman Bearden Park. Uh, for souls to the polls, and then also the fourth Sunday is souls to the polls. So, want to encourage you, please, ma'am, please, sir, let's go and let's engage in another aspect of kingdom building and make sure that our vote counts. Well, listen, I want to um, call your attention as far as our time together is concerned. We want to look at Philippians chapter 2. We want to look at verses 19 through 30, verses 19 through 30. And it's really, uh, when we look at these two particular verses, I mean, this particular um, uh, section of Scripture, it is talking about or focusing on two people that Paul held in high esteem. Timothy, his son in the ministry, and Epaphroditus, his fellow co-laborer, and one who also ministered 
unto Paul. Timothy, his son in the ministry, and Epaphroditus. And so what I want to do is I want you to understand that if you are doing the Lord's work, you need to have someone that you're pouring into, that you are mentoring, but you also need to have someone who can minister unto you. So we are called to be a mentor, but we're also called to be ministered unto. Timothy and Epaphroditus played those particular roles for the Apostle Paul, particularly while he was in jail at Rome. So what I want to do is, before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. And I pray that the Lord will open our hearts and minds for us to understand and to comprehend what God will have for us to know. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for this wonderful uh, opportunity to study your word one more time. We don't take for granted, oh God, how you have blessed us with another opportunity to open up your word, to glean from its passages the insight you desire for us to know and to have. So God, if you would, in your own powerful, sovereign way, show yourself mighty and strong. Give us ears to hear what your spirit had to say, and then give us all the ability to apply it to our lives. It's in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 19, I'm going to read. Let's do what I would call our um, exegetical work. I'm going to highlight some passages, circle some words. Um, draw some lines. I want you to mark up your scripture as far as our time is concerned. Starting at verse 19, it reads, But I trust in the Lord Jesus. I want you to highlight the phrase, I trust in the Lord Jesus. To send Timothy, I want you to circle Timothy, to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. <clears throat> For I have no one like-minded, underline the word like-minded, who will sincerely clear, care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me, in the gospel. Highlight that. All right. Therefore, verse 23, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes for me. But I trust in the Lord, I want you to underline the phrase, I trust in the Lord, that I myself shall also come shortly. Now, I want you to do me this favor. I want you to draw a line from the phrase, I trust in the Lord, in verse 24, to I trust in the Lord Jesus, in verse 19. Draw a line showing that connection. All right. Let's go to verse 25. Yet I also consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, circle the word Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. I want you to highlight all of that. 
Verse 26, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard he was sick. How like that. Verse 27, but for indeed he was sick almost unto death. I want you to underline the phrase sick almost unto death and circle the word almost. But God had mercy on him. Underline that phrase, God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Highlight that phrase. Not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him more eagerly that when you see him, that you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Verse 29, receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Highlight that verse. Verse 30, because for the work of Christ, he came close to death. I want you to underline that phrase, because for the work of Christ, he came close to death. Not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. Now, these 12 verses really show a lot to unpack. Verses 19 through 24 is focused on Timothy. Verse 25 through 30 are focused on Epaphroditus. Okay, so again, we're talking about Paul's son in the ministry, Timothy. We're talking about Paul's co-laborer and one who ministered unto Paul, Epaphroditus. So let's unpack. As again, I, I talked about Paul's two special assistants, Timothy and, and Epaphroditus. And in this section, the focus is on Timothy, who Paul considers to be a son in ministry. All right? This particular letter is a very intimate letter that Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he's addressing to the church members how they ought to live as followers of Christ. Remember, we talked about last week how Paul has encouraged them not to be grumbling, not to be murmurers, not to be complaining, not to be arguing or disputing among themselves, but he also told them don't get sucked into the lifestyle of the culture becoming perverse, crooked, and dark. Now, in this particular passage, he is gone back to giving them words of care, compassion, and intimacy. What Paul is doing at this particular time is saying, I'm sending my son in the ministry, Timothy, to check on you. And what we see is that Paul is engaging in a very pastoral role toward the church at Philippi. Now, one thing I can say, that being a pastor requires balancing what we call the priestly role and the prophetic role. As prophet, the man or the woman of God is to give the words of God to the people of God through warning and or uplift. As a priest, the man or woman of God is to take the needs and the concerns of the people of God to God. 
As a prophet, there are times when people are made uncomfortable. And interestingly, we have a lot of folks that don't want to hear from the prophet. And I would dare say that the prophetic aspect of ministry is not forth-telling somebody that they're getting ready to get a house, a car, or whatever. Rather, it is speaking into a particular situation for correction to take place or for commendation to be given to keep a person on the path of righteousness. The priestly aspect of ministry is to encourage the hearts and the minds of people that they have a relationship with God. So there are times as pastor when I have to say some things that people don't like, but it's true. And sometimes it may even come across harsh, but, and I tell folks, if I cut you with the word, I promise by the time I finish, I will sew you up, stitch you back together, and you'll be good as new. The word of God is a two-edged sword. It cuts going and coming. There are also times when consolation has to be provided. Now, unfortunately, in this day and age, people don't mind the priestly aspect, but they don't want to hear the prophetic aspect. And unfortunately, for a lot of people, they miss becoming all that God would have for them to be because they don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be rebuked. They don't want to be put in check. Okay? But as a pastor, <clears throat> Paul often had to put the churches that he helped to establish in check. He is sending Timothy to take on the aspect of finding out what's going on with the church at Philippi and to help them to maintain the straight and narrow way. Now, Timothy is really a young man in ministry. He's not a teenager, but he is a young man. Timothy is of mixed heritage. He has a Greek father. He has a Jewish mother. Um, his mother was Eunice. His grandmother was Lois. And if you ever read the pastoral letters that Paul writes to Timothy, First and Second Timothy, you will get this background of his mother being Eunice, his grandmother being Lois. They were committed followers of Jesus, and they raised Timothy in the fear of the Lord. Now, Timothy is with Paul while he was in prison. And so Timothy really was his, for lack of a better word, if I could use this metaphor, his carrier pigeon. Carried letters to various churches that he wrote while he was in prison. So let's look at what's going on at this particular time. Because Paul is saying, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I may be encouraged when I know your state. As Timothy is being sent to the church, he's being sent there to see how the Philippian church is doing. 
Paul wanted to have his mind at ease because he's in prison. He can't get to them. And he wanted to know everything that was happening as far as the church at Philippi is concerned. I, I contend that the church at Philippi may have been Paul's favorite church. Okay, it was not the most gifted church. It wasn't the richest church. It wasn't the largest church. But it was probably his most favorite church because they did not give him a lot of problems, particularly like the church at Corinth or the church at Galatia. Now, Paul had received some reports about some problems with frictions between certain members. And, and later on in this, lesson, he's go, in this letter, he's going to address those issues because if he does not address or deal with the friction, it can lead to fractions. So Paul wanted to make sure that they were doing the right thing. Okay? So if we move forward and we see what Paul is dealing with, this is how he sends Timothy to the church at Philippi. Verse 20, for I have no one like-minded. He is saying that Timothy is like me, who will sincerely care for your state. The concept of state at that particular time means condition, your well-being. Timothy had the same passion for sharing the gospel that Paul had. That's why Paul sent Timothy to them. So when he says, for I have no one like-minded, he's really giving a compliment to Timothy. And he's commending Timothy to do what he can't do because he's in prison. Now, what's so special about Timothy? You know, what's so wonderful about Timothy? I, I would contend that, that, first of all, Timothy was gifted. The Holy Spirit was at work in the life and ministry of Timothy. And he was gifted. That's why Paul told him to stir up the gift that's within him. He was gifted. He was also a real brother. He was himself. He wasn't trying to be Paul. But even though he wasn't trying to be Paul, he highly respected Paul. He loved Paul. He served God by serving Paul. So for Timothy, there was no guile, there was no hypocrisy. He was serious about the work of ministry. In other words, he wasn't with Paul just to see what Paul could do for him. Okay? He was serving God by serving Paul. And he wasn't trying to make a name for himself. Okay? He was serving God by serving Paul. So Timothy's agenda wasn't his own agenda. He was pushing what Paul wanted him to push. All right, let me, let me say that again because, again, Paul is his spiritual father in ministry. Paul is his pastor. Paul was his mentor. And Timothy wasn't hanging around Paul just so that he could go out and get engagements to preach and drop Paul's name. They had a father-son relationship. He was a genuine brother. No pretense about Paul. He was serious about the work of ministry. He was also a godly brother. 
All right. Raised by his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois, he knew what it meant to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So Timothy allowed for his light to shine so that the image of God could be manifested among the people. Here's a blessing. When the Holy Spirit has control of your life, people will see how godly you are. Let me say that again. When the Holy Spirit has control over your life, the people will see how godly you are. So, notice what Paul says. I, I, I have no one like me, like-minded, who will care for your state, church at Philippi. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, I'm very careful about who I'm going to send you. Sure, I know a whole lot of other people that I could send to you, but I'm sending somebody who has my mindset, who is concerned about your condition, church at Philippi. All right? There were other ministers, but Paul was concerned about their motives because he knew that folks, if they did not have his mind, could have gone into Philippi and destroyed the mission. All right? So Paul is very concerned about who he's going to send, so he says, I'm sending Timothy. Now, this is what I want you to understand. When you ignore the things of Christ while claiming to serve Christ, it will create issues. If you ignore the things of Christ while claiming to serve Christ, it can create issues. For me as a pastor, I'm very particular about whoever I send when I can't go somewhere to represent me. Okay? Because I don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't want to be embarrassed. All right? So, how does this work? Number one, you can't be selfish. You can't think it's about you. It's not about your fame or your fortune. It's not about making a name for yourself. You can't elevate yourself over the Savior. Okay? All right? So when Paul sent Timothy, Paul was sending Timothy because he knew he wasn't going to be selfish, and he knew that Timothy was going to push the agenda that Paul needed to have pushed at the Church of Philippi. Number two, you can't be scandalous. Now, when I talk about scandalous, this is really in connection to self-aggrandizement and money. In other words, you can't be doing this for the love of money. When you're doing ministry, and you're serious about ministry, really, it's kind of hard to put a value on that. Because what value can you place on the soul? Then you can't be shallow. Okay? There ought to be some depth. There ought to be some gravitas. There ought to be some heft that comes from you. You ought to be more concerned 
about substance rather than how you sound. Let me say that again. You ought to be more concerned about substance, simplistic substance, rather than soothing sounds. So that's why Paul said, I'm very careful about who I'm going to send to you. So I'm sending Timothy because while I know a whole lot of other people I could send your way, Timothy is going to be my choice. All right? And here's why Timothy was his choice. Let's look at verses 22 through 24. Verse 22 says, But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Now, I want to unpack this because I want you all to understand what, what um, Paul is saying, particularly in verse 22. The Philippians, they knew Paul, so they knew what the apostle said about him was on point. He had worked with Paul at Philippi, and he was faithful. Let me say that again. He was faithful. He was associated with Paul since the second missionary journey. He had been tested. He had been proven. He had been tried. And Paul was Timothy's spiritual father. Timothy worked with him as his son. Together they both served the Lord as slaves in the work of the gospel. Okay? So that's why Paul used this father-son analogy. Because the members at Philippi knew that Timothy had the propensity for sound doctrine. They knew about his holy living. They knew he lived what he preached. So it wasn't difficult for them to see why Timothy was sent to help them. In other words, Timothy had proven himself. He was there with Paul consistently. He was there with Paul in prison, running errands, you know, um, uh, doing whatever needed to be done to help Paul. All right? There was constant and consistent communication. This, this, this had developed from a mentor-mentee relationship to a father-son relationship. There was commitment. It's a rare level of commitment. But there was commitment. We're dealing with someone who is serious about preaching and teaching the gospel. Timothy was committed to Paul and to the preaching and teaching of the gospel. All right? He wasn't sometimey. He was there consistently. And Timothy and Paul had one assignment, and that was Jesus Christ. All right? This, this, really, this really reminds me of my relationship with the late Dr. Charles Booth. My relationship with Dr. Charles Booth evolved as a 
young seminarian who was in awe of his preaching prowess to moving from someone who looked at this person as a model to shifting to a mentor-mentee to shifting to father-son. And I can say that the last 15 years of Dr. Booth's life, it was like father-son. We talked two to three times a week. And a lot of times when we talked, it wasn't always about church or preaching. It, 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 we started having life conversations. And when I say father-son, he, beside my wife and my mother, could tell me to jump, and without question, I say, how high, sir? So there had been a shift from mentor-mentee to father-son where we could talk about the deep things of life. And so, from the age of 26 to the age of 50, every major and minor decision that impacted me personally, professionally, and pastorally. I did not make that decision without consulting him. This is the relationship that Timothy had with Paul. And I would dare say it's a relationship that is so warranted and I so miss. As we go to verses 23 through 24, we see that Paul lifts up the fact that he wants to see the Philippians. And so he says, I'm sending Timothy to you immediately. And as soon as I see where I'm going with my prison sentence, I'm praying to the Lord that I'll be able to come see you for myself. Paul sends Timothy because he did not know what was in store for his life. He wanted to send Timothy ahead, and it was the will of God that he did that. Paul was not in denial about what might be his future fate, but he's living what I called in between. His suspense, though, did not stop him from doing the work of ministry. You see? He continued to work. He continued to worship. He continued to witness. He engaged in the spiritual business that was assigned to his life, and part of that spiritual business was to make sure that the church at Philippi was going to be good. All right? So this is how Paul dealt with sending Timothy to be a blessing 
to the church at Philippi. Now, there are also some other things that we want to take under consideration as we move forward. And it is another brother that comes into play as well. And his name is Epaphroditus. Okay? His name is Epaphroditus. And I want you to notice how Paul refers to Epaphroditus. Let's look at verse 25. Yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Watch this. He called him a brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, a messenger, and one who ministered to Paul. Brother, that means he's family, All right? He has shifted from talking about Timothy as son to talking about Epaphroditus as brother. And what we got to understand is that as God's children, we all have a special relationship with one another as siblings. We are spiritual siblings. But he also called him a fellow worker. So Epaphroditus was his partner in the work of ministry. Epaphroditus did not mind doing the work for the sake of the kingdom. Epaphroditus taught Bible study. Epaphroditus ran errors for Paul. He did whatever was necessary to help spread the word of God. He also called him a fellow soldier, which meant that Epaphroditus didn't mind fighting, fighting for the faith. He wasn't a wimp. He was a soldier. He took a stand against the onslaught of the enemy. And understand that when you do the work of ministry, you become public enemy number one for Satan. Okay? And, it, and, and, and Satan will do everything Satan can to get you distracted or off track. But Epaphroditus was a fighter. But then also Epaphroditus had the faith to do the work which meant that he had the capacity to share a word to the Philippians. So notice, Paul did not only bring a gift from the church at Philippi to Paul, he was not only bringing a monetary gift, but he also assisted Paul in the work of ministry. Epaphroditus was Paul's personal minister. Epaphroditus preached to Paul. Epaphroditus encouraged Paul. Every preacher needs someone to preach to him or her. Let me say it again. Every preacher needs somebody to preach to him or her. God knows I, I have those across the width and breadth of, of, of this land, women and men, who pour into my soul through preaching and teaching and counseling. Okay? So every preacher needs somebody that pours into him or her. Every pastor needs somebody that pours into him or her. All right? So what we see here is that we see Epaphroditus sharing Paul's spiritual life, his labors, and yes, even his dangers. 
But there was something unique about Epaphroditus. Because even though Epaphroditus did all of this stuff, Epaphroditus was homesick. Look at verse 26. Since he was longing for you all, he's homesick and was distressed because he had heard, because you had heard that he was sick. Epaphroditus was homesick, but he was also physically sick. Since he was longing for you all, homesick, he wanted to be with his family and friends back at Philippi. All right. He wanted to be among the people. And God knows. I know how Epaphroditus feels, felt, because I miss the disciples of St. Paul. I miss being able to see in Bible study at noon and at night people in the youth sanctuary. I miss Sunday morning worship experiences, being with the people, having the enthusiasm and the energy and the presence of the people. I'm homesick for that. COVID-19 will not let us be great. I miss being able to be with our fellow disciples. God knows we're trying to do the very best we can with technology, but it's not the same. There's a ministry of presence that you can't get virtually. But we're trying to do everything we can right now to make sure that people know we care and we're concerned, but it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. Epaphroditus is also dealing with his own personal issues. He's depressed. There's this heaviness on him because he has a heart for the people. He's concerned about the people at Philippi. And Epaphroditus wasn't depressed because of burnout or because of work, but he's depressed because of his love for the people. When you love people and when they hurt, you hurt. When you love people, when they're down, you're down. When you love people, their, their suffering becomes your suffering. And you want to do all that you can to relieve them of their suffering. I got a phone call this morning from one of our disciples and what they're dealing with right now just caused my heart to ache. As they were sharing with me a situation going on with their family. It caused my heart to ache. Then I got another call from another person that's dealing with some spiritual issues right now. It caused my heart to ache. And in both those situations, I prayed with those persons. But it caused my heart to ache. But interestingly, my time with them, I was almost late for Bible study <laughs> because 
whenever you talk to someone who's going through something, it's not a five-minute conversation. It's not even a 15-minute conversation. Sometimes it takes up to 35, 40 minutes or an hour. And you look up, and time is gone. I want you all to understand that as a pastor, I spend a lot of my time on phone talking with people, doing, um, giving spiritual direction and advice to couples that are struggling, uh, trying to talk people off the ledge, addressing folks' concerns that ain't got nothing to do with the church, but they just need someone to listen to them. I, I want you all to understand that for those that think all I do is preach 35, 40 minutes on the Sunday morning, that's it, you would be surprised if had not the Lord allowed for certain people to come to me, there's no telling where they would be right now. And so as a pastor, there are a lot of things that we take on that a lot of you all don't know. It, the work of pastoral ministry is like looking at an iceberg. Most people see the 10% above the water. You see the preaching. You see me teaching Bible study. That's, that's the 10%. The other 90% is below the surface. You don't see the counseling. You don't see the uh, disputes that have to be managed. You don't see me having meetings with different ministries. You don't see me having staff meetings. You don't see me managing staff. You don't see me at the office three times a week, even in a COVID pandemic, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Sometimes I don't leave the office until 8 or 9 o'clock at night. You don't see that. You don't see me doing the preparation work of spending just for Bible study. It takes me about three and a half hours to prepare for Bible study. It takes me another 15 to 20 hours to prepare a sermon. That's 25 hours of doing preparatory work for preaching and teaching, along with telephone calls, along with community engagement. You don't see the 90%. And what Paul is saying, you don't see the work that goes on beneath the surface. Along with trying to be a husband and a father and a son and a brother and a friend. Along with other organizations I'm a part of. You see, as a congregation, the tip of the iceberg. You don't see below the surface. That's what Paul is saying. So, Paul, in verse 27, deals with the sickness of his friend Epaphroditus. Because while in Rome visiting Paul, Epaphroditus became very sick. He almost died. And it's showing us that regardless of your relationship with God, it doesn't mean you won't suffer. But Paul says, 
Epaphroditus survived because God was merciful. He almost died, but God showed grace. And, and, and watch this. And Paul said, I'm grateful for God's mercy toward Epaphroditus because God did not allow death to take him out. He got close to death, but he did not allow for death to take him out. And since he did not allow for death to take Epaphroditus out, watch this. It spared Paul grief. Paul was spared sorrow because Epaphroditus remained alive. It was a blessing to Paul. Let me say it again. It was a blessing to Paul that his friend, his brother, his minister, Epaphroditus, remained alive. And he gave God thanks for that. But then I want you to notice something, what, what he does. That when you look at verse 28, therefore I send him more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I be, may be less sorrowful. He says, listen, I'm making a decision that I'm going to release Epaphroditus from ministering or serving me and I'm sending him back home to Philippi. And so when he goes back to home to Philippi, it was going to be some happy disciples. His stress level would be decreased. Epaphroditus' stress level would be decreased because Epaphroditus was sent back to Philippi to have less stress, to be among family and friends. All right? Let's look at verse 29. Not only did Paul want them to receive Epaphroditus with gladness, but they wanted him to, he wanted them to hold him in high esteem. He wanted them to realize that they were blessed to have a great brother like Epaphroditus in their midst. All right? So I want you to understand, it is good when we take time to compliment somebody in the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, if anyone should speak kindly of another Christian, it should be a Christian. People of the world may put us as Christians down, but we as believers ought to be building each other up, not tearing each other down. Okay, we should not be treating folks like the world. All right? I'm getting ready to wrap up. Because I want you to understand that when you do the work of ministry, you got to take some things under consideration. First of all, the work of ministry is not for the faint in heart. It's not. The work of ministry is hard. The work of ministry is not for the lazy. It's not for the lazy. The work of ministry, oftentimes your name is not going to be called. It's not. It's not. And when you're serious about serving, you want God to get the glory. I remember when the late Reverend Dr. Samuel DeWitt Proctor was my professor and advisor 
and mentor at Duke, how I used to go pick him up from the airport. In my Chevrolet Century, I used to go pick him up from the airport, how I used to carry his bags, how I used to run errands for him. It's not for the faint in heart. And I didn't mind it. Up until his time of death, I did the same thing for Dr. Charles Edward Booth. That if he was traveling somewhere and I, I met him there, I was like his adjutant. I did not mind carrying his bags. I did not mind running errands. I did not mind picking him up. I did not mind doing what I needed to do for him. The work of ministry is not for the faint in heart. It's not for lazy folks. Okay? Just here at St. Paul, I put in anywhere between 75 to 80 hours a week doing this work. It's not for the faint in heart. And it's only 168 hours in a week. Okay? It's not for the faint of heart. There are consequences for the service. All right? Some things I can't do. Now watch this. Epaphroditus got sick. I don't know what his illness was, but I do know his sickness his diligence to serve in Christ led to him being sick, not to him doing anything wrong. He got sick while serving. <laughs> he got sick while serving. He was also committed. Being involved in ministry can lead to difficulties. Everybody's not going to understand you. Everybody's not going to appreciate what you do. Everybody ain't going to like what you do. Everybody knows how to do your job better than you. All right? But that shouldn't cause you to give up on the cause. You've got to be committed. Epaphrodites did not allow for circumstances to deter him from doing the work. But then also notice what Epaphrodites was. Epaphrodites was a pipeline of generosity from the church at Philippi to Paul. In other words, Epaphrodites delivered to Paul, financial gifts from the church at Philippi so that Paul could continue to do the work of ministry while he was in jail. All right. The main reason that Epaphroditus was in Rome in the first place was to deliver an offering to Paul so that he could continue to be sustained and do the work of ministry. All right. It's not for the faint at heart. It's not for the faint at heart. And so, as far as today's lesson, getting the work done, Paul had a Timothy, Paul had an Epaphroditus. Timothy was a son in ministry that served God by serving Paul. Epaphroditus was a co-laborer in ministry that served God by ministering to Paul. 
Well, this concludes our lesson. Um, before we close, I want to see if there are any questions that you may have that we can answer. And then we will have prayer and call it a day. Any questions? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Until I saw her out there voting. All right. <laughs> well, listen, we're getting ready to have have a closing prayer, but before we do that, I just want to say I want to thank each and every one of you for how you support the ministry here at St. Paul. And as we prepare to close out, if you feel led to give, there are three ways you can give here at St. Paul. Number one, by sending your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Or you can call the church and drop off your cash check or money order offering here at the church. Call the church to make sure someone is here to receive it and work out a time where you all can drop, where you can drop it off and it will be secured and it will be counted on the following Sunday. Or you can go to our website and follow the giving prompts on our website. Or you can give through the app called Givelify. Um, Download that app to your smart device, and you can give. So even for a Bible study, you can do that, and you can give right now. And I want to encourage you to do that. We are so appreciative of your kindness and your generosity so that we can continue to do the work of ministry here at St. Paul Church. Let's close out in prayer. God, help make us a servant of you so we can get the work done. There are those of us who are called to be Paul. There are those of us who are called to be like Timothy. There are those of us who are called to be like Epaphroditus. And whatever our role may be at that specific time with whatever sister or brother in ministry in which we are connected, allow for us to play that role. God, I pray right now that for each and every person that's watching that you will bless their families and that you will allow for them to live out this teaching. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hey, listen, do not forget, early voting starts today. Starts today here in Mecklenburg County. Make your way to the polls. If you want to, you can engage in souls to the polls on Sunday. Uh, that is something that we do in the black church. And here at St. Paul, both Sundays will be souls to the polls. But we want to encourage you, please, ma'am, please, sir, let's vote early so we will not be caught up in commotion on november the third let's vote early 33 sites throughout mecklenburg county for those that are in south carolina make sure you know how you can participate early in voting i want to commend those that are engaging in early voting right now i'm hearing that there are lines in a lot of places throughout the county and that's a wonderful thing because it is showing that we're taking voting seriously. Well, hey, listen, I love you all, miss you all immensely. We're one day closer to coming back in. When that's going to happen, I don't know. 
but we're one day closer than we were prior to this day. May God bless you. May God keep you. Have a smile upon you. Remain blessed and stay faithful. The concerned clergy of Charlotte have come together for one reason and one reason only. And that is to remind everyone we must go out and vote. The right to vote is and can longer be a anecdotal gesture, but it is an imperative. Our vote is our voice. It's our responsibility to ensure that our families, our friends and our communities all have a good quality of life. This year, November 3rd, is the most important vote of our lives. In addition to our presidential election, we have several federal, state, local, and judicial races that are on the ballot. If you believe in health care, you're on the ballot. If you care about affordable housing, it's on the ballot. If you care about social injustice, it's on the ballot. We're not trying to tell you who to vote for. You can work on that part. We need your participation. On October 18th at Roman Beer Park at 2 p.m., we're beginning with a rally and we're going to march to Spectrum Arena and let our voice be heard through voting. Meet us at Ramir Beerton Park as we march to the Spectrum Arena here in the city of Charlotte. One saying we're gone for protesting to the poll. Meet us there. Matter of fact, meet us there. We're gonna go to the Spectrum Center. We're gonna march there. We're gonna stroll there. We're gonna roll there. Get there any way you can. It's gonna be a great time of fellowship and a profound time of shifting the narrative for our community. Your vote has purpose. Make sure our voice, our vote is heard. Everyone who lives within the Charlotte-Mecklenburg area is part of our village. Join us for Souls to the Polls, October 18th, 2 p.m., Romare Bearden Park, Old Charlotte, New Charlotte. Again, let's come together to create Next Charlotte. Looking forward to seeing you there. Let's vote!